Praise the Lord and welcome to the broadcast today. I'm Curtis Hutchinson and I'm pastor of Crossway Church here in Queen City, Texas. If you live anywhere near us, I hope that you would just just drop what you're doing and join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 6.40 p.m. And uh, if you're not close to us and you want to hear the words of God's truth declared, that means from Genesis to Revelation, uh, all about Christ and His work at Calvary, then I encourage you to tune in live on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page, the Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel, or the Spreaker app. You can get on your smartphone, and our channel is for those who have ears to hear. Or you can also go to the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, and hear everything that we do here at Crossway Church. But on Mondays and Thursdays at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, I'm here in my office, online only, uh, sharing the truth of God's Word, and we're studying in the book of Hebrews. We're now in chapter 5. Today will be part 2 on this third day of June, 2021. And uh, we're going to see some amazing things in the Word of God, some new, some the Lord will strengthen that which we already have a little knowledge of and he will remind us of much I'm sure that we've read before and, and, and give us the, the truth of the word of God for that is what the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth comes to guide us into is the truth of God's word and I'm thankful to know that today and uh, let me just say this before we get started this morning if I were you and this is from a teacher's perspective. I, I consider all these sessions that I do class settings. You could use this in a classroom. You could put it on the TV. You could use it for a class. But what I want to say to you is that I, I encourage you to get a notebook and, and, and uh, write on the top of the paper in each session. Like today, Hebrews chapter 5, part 2, June the 3rd, 2021, uh, and, 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 and part 2, and, and, and follow along and leave some spaces in between what you're writing so you can go back and prayerfully look over the notes and let the Lord supply you with more than what you'll get, far more than what you'll get in these 30-minute uh, class uh, sessions that we hold online. Uh, I encourage you to begin to write down what you're hearing, what the Lord is ministering to you. And I'm not talking about not listening and going off and making your own sermon. You can do that after the, the broadcast. But when you write things down, you're involving yourself more. It doesn't automatically mean that you're going to get anything more out of it because I know people who just have a habit to get their pen and paper out and, and write things down during church. But... It, it's really just a habit. And I'm talking about those of you who love the truth of God's Word and you have learned to watch and to notice, recognize the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life, what He's teaching you, how He's moving you, what He's doing in your life based on the truth you allow Him to guide you into. So praise the Lord for that. And also, since we will be flying tomorrow... I'm going to Sydney, Ohio, be at the preeminent word fellowship there with Pastor Preston Nasal and the congregation there this weekend, Saturday morning at 10 and, and 5 p.m. that day, and then the next morning their worship service will be there again. So if you're anywhere near that area, please 
come and be with us. As few of you said, have told me that you would see us this weekend there, and I'm thankful. I'm looking forward to that greatly. But also because we'll be flying tomorrow, and I won't be doing my Bible Faith in Light of the Cross session, uh, the Cross Time with Pastor Curtis broadcast. I'm going to do that today at 1 o'clock. So if you're listening, make sure you catch us again at 1 p.m. after lunch. That's Central Time today. Uh, and we will be continue our teaching con concerning Bible faith in light of the cross. And today we will be in what most consider that controversial chapter 2 of James. It's not controversial. When you're looking through the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will make it simple to you. Very easy to understand. I call it the kindergarten level, the simplicity of Christ. Hallelujah. But for today, Hebrews chapter 5, this is part 2 again on this third day of June 2021. And we're going to be looking at some things. And let me say this about chapter 5. This chapter has 14 verses in it. And by the time we get to the end of this chapter, there's going to be some amazing things the Lord has said. But He's, he's beginning to say it here. He's beginning to bring the focus of what... Listen, you, you've got to study this way. You have got to begin to study this way. You've got to listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you in the studies that He has you in because He's drawing from what you've been through. He's, he, and I'm not talking about your hard times. I'm talking about the truth already that you've allowed Him to bring you into. You'll never have to let go of that. All the truth comes with you. And where it is where you are today. It's how you stand today. And it will be also what carries you into and allows you to understand better that which you will receive tomorrow and be found walking in tomorrow. So by the time we get to the end of this chapter, you're going to have need to pay very close attention to the first part of this chapter. And really, all the way up until this part in this entire letter, here we begin to see more of a focus on Jesus as the great high priest. In the first few verses, four verses here, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, shows us a picture of the priesthood and that it's not men calling themselves. And the reason uh, God has to call and ordain men, uh, but, that, but the priesthood was for men, among men to be able to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. And we see that in verse 1. And he goes on to tell us in verse 2 and 3 that these earthly priests, Aaron and his sons in that lineage only in Israel, they were compassed themselves about with sins and infirmities. They were challenged and tempted and, and tested and tried and, and, and would find themselves away, out of the way. They would find themselves uh, compassed with infirmity. They knew what it was like, and that's, listen, that's what helped them minister to others who were found out of the way or ignorant and, 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 and needing to learn the way of the sacrifice. But he says in verse 4 uh, that no man... 
but he that is called of God as was Aaron. Aaron was called of God, set in office by God, ordained and appointed by God. Men didn't just pick men. And we need to think about that in the church today. The church's leadership is so, so unbiblical. Oh, that we can use scriptures to try to make it sound in favor of what we're doing. But listen, how ministers end up in pulpits today, my friend, it's so unbiblical. People voting them in. And, you know, the Bible says in Numbers chapter 24, I believe it is, that God finds a man, God sets a man in a place. And that man is going to preach what the Apostle Paul preached. He's going to preach the message of the cross from Genesis to Revelation because that's what God... His, he is forever, he is ever mindful of the covenant. And Jesus said the new covenant is that which is in his blood. So uh, what you have today is wannabes and mama wannabes and grandmama calls folks and puts them and starts speaking into their lives when they're two and all they've ever heard is you're going to be a preacher, you're going to be a preacher, you're going to be a preacher. And they get up there and they end up to be a preacher. But it's really not what's in them. It's not what they really have a desire to be. And preachers, let me say this. Preachers who are called by God, they, they may struggle with the call at first, but once God gets them to surrender, they're thankful and they're, oh, they're excited about the ministry. They, 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 it, is the, it is their main function in life is to become a minister. Let me tell you something, folks. If you got a preacher that's got something else going, it's okay to have preachers do other things. But if they're all enveloped in all that other stuff and they're not giving their times to prayer and the Word so they can present the Word to you with the, with the fresh bread on the table every service, you better find one that's called. You better find one that's sent and equipped by the Lord and he's going to be preaching that which Paul preached. Hallelujah. So we're not called by our, of ourselves. Men don't call us and set us in It's right here. It's right here. Men don't appoint men. Men recognize the, call, the calling of God on other men, and that's what we all say. But let me tell you something, folks. When it's there, it's there. When it's not there, it's not there. And there's a lot of folk need to get off that dead horse and go find where it is. A lot of folks still sitting on a dead horse, kicking that dead horse. I know a lot of preachers hear that me saying that, or they would hear me saying that if they listen, and they'd say, "No, bless God, I'm just going. No, we got to keep going. I know. No, listen. When God's in it, the provisions there, the increase is there, and don't try to use some Bible verse back in the Old Testament to justify something that's dead. Find where it's alive, become a part of it. Hallelujah, and." Verse 4 says, no man takes this honor unto himself. A lot have today. A lot have today. Those are hirelings, by the way. Just because they know Scripture, just because they have the gift and can speak good, doesn't mean they're called to preach or to pastor. Let me say it that way. All of us are called to preach. Hallelujah. So, verse 5. Then The first four verses, he's, he's describing the priesthood of men among men. Verse 5, he says, So also Christ, he's moving from that of Aaron, the priesthood, to now of Christ. And there is a Christ could be typified through that old priesthood. You need to hear me today. There is a 
begin to notice that. And let me get back to what I said at first. By the time we get to the end of this little portion of Scripture we call chapter 5, there's some profound things going to be said. And I believe this chapter goes right along hand in hand with the wake-up call that was sent to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And I'm not going to get into it. We're going to move through the verses here, but I want to say this ahead of time. As we get to the, what's written in the end of this particular chapter, we're going to see just what we saw in the churches written to in Revelation. A wake-up call. A trumpet blast. I see some things you got going that are good, but I got some things against you. And, and the things I have against you, that you you got to repent. You got to turn around. You got to get away from that. And, the, and we're going to see that in chapter 5 of Hebrews is a wake-up call. And those that don't wake up, they refuse to. It's not they can't. It's they refuse to hearken unto the Word of God. Hebrews 6 begins to describe those. And we'll see that when we get there. I don't know that I've ever read this, seen this, and I'm sure it's written about out there. I hadn't read just tons and tons and tons. I'm sure, surely it's written about it. For the most part, I know though, the church doesn't believe what we'll be teaching here. They do not believe what we'll be teaching here. Chapter 6 is the result, a lot of chapter 6 is the result of the saints who do not wake up, do not listen to, do not take heart to the call in Hebrews chapter 5. But stay with us. Let's work our way there verse by verse. I promise you, if you just jump ahead down there, you won't get it like you really need it when you end up there. You can, you can jump over anywhere in the Bible and get something out of it, but when you're walking through the Scriptures, my friend, Step by step, precept up on, precept up on, precept line up on line without our opinions jumping in, just line upon line and line upon line written for it. When we get there, it'll mean so much more to you if you'll just follow along. Verse 5, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, You are my son, today I have begotten thee. This is pulled from the book of Psalms. as it's, we, We've seen it already before this in Hebrews. And this is being pulled from the book of Psalms as the Holy Spirit so often does. He reaches back from the old brings forth into the light of the new so we can have a greater understanding. Hallelujah. And that's what we need is a greater understanding. The Lord is ministering some things to me in the last two or three days that I'll be sharing in Ohio this weekend that I pray you would be with us or tune in with us and listen because I, the Lord is showing me some things uh, about faith and about being weak in the faith, strong in the faith, but yet, whichever of those still being in the faith, and, and, and we're going to see some things 
this weekend, I believe, as the Lord is ministering some things to me and I'll be sharing with you. But look, he says, Christ also didn't call Himself, didn't glorify Himself. But He, he was made a high priest because He that said unto Him, do you get this? This goes along with John 10, 18, when Jesus said, No man takes my life from me, but I have the power to lay it down and to take it up again because I have this commandment of the Father. And Jesus said in other places, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. That means telling Him to do. He says, I don't, do, I don't say anything unless I hear the Father telling me to say it. He was a man. He was was living as a man. This God who became flesh, God who became a man, fully God, yet fully man, lived as a man, led by the Holy Spirit to be able to hear the Father's commands to him. And from times of old, Jesus was called, commanded, that he would go and lay his life down and to take it up again. And that he was going to do this at the cross and that this work would allow him to become our great high priest. He was called of God. And look, thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Let's make sure we understand that whatever Jesus is today, he has forever been that in the mind and the plan of God. He is the eternal the eternal, only begotten Son of God. We need to remember that. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whatever He is today, He has always been in the mind of God. We need to remember that. You might need to write that down, that Jesus is the eternal, only begotten Son of God. As he said also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And these scriptures come from Psalms 110 verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not repent, not going to change. This is the way it is, God says. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And scripture identifies no one as both a king and priest, In fact, Israel markedly differentiated the roles of king and priest. No priest in the Old Testament could lawfully act as a king, and no king in the Old Testament could lawfully act as a priest. There could be no mixture of the two offices. And there are scriptures I've given you before that when a a man every once in a while would try to intermingle, it meant death. When the king tried to offer sacrifices, God, he don't tolerate that. But that was something the priesthood did. But Jesus comes along. He is the king, the priest, and the prophet. All in one, because all of the old is all wrapped up in Jesus. All of the names God revealed himself to Israel as being to them, for them, is all wrapped up in Jesus. No other name in heaven or in the earth by which a man can be saved except the name of Jesus. We need to remember that. 
But let's read verse 6 again. As he said also in another place, you are a priest to the order of Melchizedek. And if we go back and study Melchizedek, we will see that Melchizedek appeared to Abraham out of nowhere in Genesis. And, and Abraham showed up on the scene with bread and wine. Abraham, we don't know the full details of that. We don't know if Abraham knew him previously or if it was just Abraham recognized him as the priest of God because he carried bread and wine, which is symbolic of the promised Redeemer that Abraham had his faith in. Abraham was a man of the sacrifice, a man of the altar, a man looking to that cross that would find a savior on it one day, hallelujah. But, but Melchizedek was the one prophesied of in the old covenant that the savior would show up and have a priesthood after the order of this Melchizedek. And, and in Genesis, you'll find out this Melchizedek, there was no paperwork, no uh, lineage written of him. He's, he's symbolic of Christ, no lineage of his previous years, mother, father, uh, no birth. I mean, this was a man. We believe this was a man. And, and, and there was just no uh, genealogy found of him des describing that which would be that of Jesus, his eternal priesthood. That, that Jesus really, he, Jesus is the beginning and the ending. He, he describes himself as that in the book of Revelation. He's the first, the last. He is the beginning and the ending. And that all took place in the plan of God as the lamb was slain. When Jesus died at Calvary, my friend, everything that will never, ever be in the eternal state with God was done away with. He, he became the, he, the ending of everything that is not the will of God and will be put away out of all memory forever and ever. It took place at Calvary. The manifestation of it is coming soon. It's coming soon. He also became at the cross the beginning of all things in Him, the beginning of all things that will eternally be that will not be forgotten but experienced by the people of God forever and forever and forever. It all took place at Calvary. The manifestation of it is soon to be. It's soon to be. Hallelujah. And we need to remember that. that but Jesus has been declared the, the high priest, the priest of God, forever and forever after the order of Melchizedek. And get this today, before we start moving into the end of this chapter, you're going to need to understand and grab a hold of the truth that Jesus is the great high priest of Almighty God now. That's His eternal role now for the saints of God. That's His eternal role for humanity. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, he ever lives. He, his life there is our intercession. He ever lives to make intercession for us. But, and he is at the right hand of the Father and his name has been exalted above every name and every knee will bow before him and claim him as Lord. Every knee and every tongue. You need to get that because of what he did at Calvary. The great white throne judgment is about folks uh, having to admit they were wrong and judgment pronounced on them and them being cast in the lake of fire because they are a part of what God put away at the cross in Christ 
for all eternity, never to be remembered again, and, and a place of suffering and torment like we cannot contemplate now with our natural minds. And, but, but it's all, all that, everything in hell, the second death, all of that was actually caused in the death of Jesus. That's where that first Adam and all his race was put away. But it's also the place, let me say it again, because it's such the best news you could receive. It's Jesus became the beginning of all that will eternally be a peace and joy and forever uh, no tears, no dying, no sickness and perfection. Like we can't imagine that either. But the cross is where all that actually was paid for and took place and the manifestation of it is coming soon, very soon. And we need to remember that. But Jesus is forever to the people of God, the priest of God. Forever. He's not going to change roles one day. This is who He is. This is who He's always been. It, what it took to manifest who He's always been and now is to the people of God was the cross because it took the cross to get us in the priesthood of believers to recognize the high priest and we better be paying careful attention to what is being said here because it's only that role that we partake of Him as under the new covenant. We come to Him. We come to God who is on the throne of grace in the name of Jesus. We come to obtain mercy and to find grace that's only obtained and found. The mercy is only obtained and the grace is only found when we approach the Father through the blood. That's what makes the name of Jesus. That's what allows Him to be there and to make intercession for us. That's what allows Him to tell us when He was here that whatever you ask the Father in my name, that will that I will do is because he went to the cross. The cross allowed him to be raised from the dead on the third day. The cross allowed him not only to be raised on the dead the third day, but to ascend into the heavens and be seated at the right hand of the Father. The cross is not only what allowed Him to be raised on the third day and to ascend to the Father 40 days later, but it's what allows Him to stand at certain times today when He sees His people in trouble. Hallelujah. It's what allows Him to be that intercession, that life source for us today. And we better grab a hold of this. He is our great high priest. Every other name of Christ. He is all those things to us. But His role as the new covenant leader and king and, and king of kings and king of His kingdom is high priest. It's priest. And, and we're going to see in this fifth chapter that we have got to learn how to function in the priesthood of believers under this high priest. We're going to see it. It's going to be marvelous. Watch now. Verse 7. Talking about Jesus here, living on the earth in His flesh, who in the days of His flesh, Jesus, Jesus the Son of God, God becoming man, walked among us. In the days of His flesh, when He had offered up prayers and supplications, Jesus was a praying man. Jesus was prayerful. Jesus called out to His Father. Jesus lived the life that you and I are called to live. Jesus prayed. We must be people of prayer. Jesus has told us to pray. Taught us how to pray. Taught us what to pray. 
gave us, gave, filled us with the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, so that when we could have the, uh, a prayer language, we could have that gift of other tongues where we can edify ourselves and when we don't know what to pray, we can pray in the Spirit because the Spirit always knows what needs to be prayed. We've been given more than the saints could ever have even imagined. We have received more than the saints of old could ever have received. And to whom much is given, much is required. We need to understand that. We've been duped and seduced and deceived and, and deceitfully uh, exploited by false ministers, the, 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 the ministers of Satan, of uh, his ministers of unrighteousness. We've become blind and we think that the age of grace, the, the church age is something that we're just floating along and grace is carrying us along and, and it doesn't matter how we live. And, oh my goodness, my friends, it, it matters more now than ever before. You look at the church of, of Israel in that day, the people of God, and how they continually fell by the wayside. They continually turned, and God continually rejected them and cast them away and wrote them a bill of divorce. And the New Testament says, look back, because those things are in samples. That means stamps, a die, a form of what happened is going to happen all over again. And, and, but, but we've been duped and seduced to think that what happened to them can't happen to us now just because we have the Spirit of God. My friend, don't be seduced into being so foolish. Don't be duped into becoming so foolish. And if you... A great part of that seducing is the, the heresy of false doctrines that make us think we can't walk away, that the devil can't steal the word out of our hearts, that, that the cares and the pleasures of this life can't, can't, can't choke the word out, that, that, that if we don't find the, the word that's gone into our heart being moisturized by the watering of the word, that, that, it, that we can't lose our way. If, you, if you're of that mindset that you can't lose your way, much of the New Testament you're never going to be able to understand or walk in. And I, and I plead with you, you've got to let all that go. Most people who believe all that garbage are people who can't even explain it. They just say, well, that's what we believe because they're pretending. They're pretending. Most of what's called Christianity today, and I hate to have to say this, it's a bunch of pretending. And when the truth is laid on the table, they get irritated, they get mad, they run away, they don't want to hear it. But they have, they have no scripture to refute, they have no scripture to bring to the table. And the ones that try to, it's twisted scripture, it's scripture that they don't even understand. Because that is such a heresy and, and a false way to say that you as a branch, uh, uh, that there can't ever come a time when the Lord sees you not bearing fruit, that He won't pluck you out when Jesus said He will, that, that your name can't be blotted out when Jesus said it could, that you, that you can't be hurt by the second death and Jesus said you could. And this is to the church these things are said. Not lost people among the church, the saved, spirit-filled, born-again people of God. We need to take heed that we don't just throw out. Let me say, what brought us to this point in this session today is to whom much is given, much is required. And there is not, the people of the Old Testament weren't offered as near as much as we are under the new. Look at this. We have a forever indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't come and go. He doesn't come to show a picture of what is to come one day and then go. 
That happened over and over and over in the new of the old covenant. Holy Spirit would come, and every time the Holy Spirit came and did something in the Old Testament, it was exclusively for the blessing of the people at that time, but mainly for the pointing of Christ who would come and give himself at the cross. That's what Jesus said. The scriptures are about him. It's more than the stories of the Old Testament that we can tell and get dramatic and emotional about. It's about a Jesus, the Son of God, who would come and become our high priest forever through what he would do on the cross. The offering not of the blood of animals, but of his own blood. He offered his own self. By himself he purged us from our sins. Hallelujah. And was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. We need to think of these things. And these things we're saying this morning and looking at because we're about to move into an area. We're about to move into an area that is the wake-up call, not to a folks uh, who are preaching this and getting this. And, no, this is the wake-up call to the entirety of the church. It's always been. It'll always be. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. The saddest thing among Christians who don't know the way of the cross is the only way of God's righteousness. The saddest thing is today among Christians is when you attempt to tell them and help them and show them they don't want to know. What does that remind you of in the old covenant? One of the things that when Moses came down off that mountain and they, God's people had built a golden calf trying to manipulate God, putting it right beside the altar. God said, won't allow no mixture here. It's the altar and nothing else. And the Lord said, who's on the Lord's side? You can read this in Exodus 32. See, that's what your journal's for. There it is. Write it down. In Exodus 32, Moses, the Lord called the people of God through Moses and said, who's on the Lord's side? Hear me now. And this has changed a little bit from what I've previously said. Not just one tribe, but only a part of one tribe came out. The Levites. See, that's the same thing. Happened back then, it's happening today. When those among the people of God, they've been saved by the blood, they've, they've heard the gospel, they believed it, they were born again. But when they're confronted about their deadness and they're not moving forward, they're not advancing in the kingdom, they're not being planted in a local church, they're not being a people of prayer, they're not being a people uh, becoming students of God's word, their fire is no longer burning and when they're offered the truth of the Word that can bring them into this place where they once began and continue movement in terms of the Word, not on their own terms, that's not Christianity, they get angry, they get irritated. The same thing happened back then. And a part of the Levites that came out, Moses said, now take your swords and go back in and slaughter those among your people that didn't come out. The Levites. And then the whole nation was made to drink the bitterness of the cup of flesh they built called the golden calf. And hear me as I close today, as I prophetically say again, that this nation in the days ahead will suffer the church along with it because it's all really because of the church and it's bringing the world into the church is going to suffer like we've not seen as a nation in many years when the shelves become empty and many luxuries and comforts and things of leisure are going to be stripped away from this nation. 
And I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom. I'm a minister of righteousness that simply declares God's Word and the repercussions for sin in a nation. And when a nation grants and gives a whole month to honor homosexuals, the judgment of God is already at work in this nation. That, among many other abominations in this nation, God has not changed His mind about that which is an abomination to Him. All those things that are abomination to God, He's not changed His mind about them. And His judgment always comes along with an agreement in those things, a walking into those things. His judgment against sin is always there. And in the days ahead, we're going to need to learn how as a people of God, the priesthood of the believers, we function under a great high priest. Not on our own terms, but according to the Word of God. I hope that you would join us in the days ahead for our continual sessions in the book of Hebrews because the next few are going to be critical for you to know. Again, Hebrews chapter 5 is a wake-up call. And what happens in Hebrews 6, yeah, you can go ahead and study it ahead of time. I hope you do. A part of Hebrews 6 is what happens to those who refuse to wake up. We love you. Thanks for joining us. Help us publish God's Word. Share these broadcasts out to your friends, co-workers, relatives, to anybody and everybody. They need to hear the truth of God's Word and not just some denominational rule or regulation or traditions that's heresy that's been passed along, but the truth found in God's words simply believing what's written. Hallelujah. And uh, we love you. We're praying for you. Don't forget to pray for us. When God stirs your heart, sow into the ministry of good ground. And here you have found it, the truth of God's Word, where the cross is always the centerpiece of all that we do. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can give by texting the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. Don't forget to tune in this afternoon at 1 p.m. as we will be discussing Bible faith in light of the cross. Hallelujah. I'll see you then. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.